0: Scott Nugent has become a prominent voice against the medical transition of children. Scott went through the medical transition process eight years ago and is very open about the complications and the deeply felt regret held because of those surgeries. We get into all of it. Scott's transition, the danger these procedures pose not just to minors, but also to adults and pronouns. Scott presents as a man, but is a woman. So what does this mean when it comes to pronouns and identity and things like that? There are many things on which Scott and I disagree. Anyone who has listened to Relatable who knows me will be able to detect where in Scott's answers I don't necessarily align. But I wanted you to hear her story, her perspective. You already know mine. It's a very fascinating conversation that I know that you're going to be educated by, but also hopefully emboldened by too. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie to check out. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Mm-hmm. Scott, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ellie. Yeah,
0: so a lot of people know your name from Matt Walsh's documentary, although yeah. you've been talking about your transition for longer than that. What's it been uh-huh. like, though, since the documentary came out for you?
1: Well, it's it's been nuts, uh, quite frankly. Um, thousands of emails and and text messages from parents all over the world that are dealing, you know, with medicalization of children and thankful that that, you know... I spoke up and, and Matt speaking up and other people are speaking up. It's been a roller coaster, quite frankly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And did you expect the reaction that you got? Because, I mean, on the on the documentary, just for people who don't know, you talk about the medical complications that yeah. you've had to endure because of your transition. Were you surprised at the, just the outpouring of support and questions and stuff that you've received?
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, You know, I've I've been doing this for almost five years now. I mean, it helped with like the first bill in South Dakota, you know, for, so I've been doing this for, for quite a long time. And I, uh, and I was asked to be in, um, a lot of different documentaries and I say no to a lot of things. I don't think people realize that there's a lot of people that want all this attention. I was never one. I felt like it was a duty. Um, you know, I got really sick and kind of made a promise with God that if I was here for my kids, I would do this. And so this is a very core, um, it's very personal to me it's about my kids basically right so when i was approached about what is a woman i didn't know who matt was um i don't i don't look into stuff i just let my gut tell me
0: hmm.
1: what to say yes to and what to say no to and that was a a, a firm firm yes for me and yeah. i didn't know i mean yeah. it, it, as soon as it came out everybody's like oh matt walsh is f- famous i'm like what, the jewish guy with a huge beard <laughs> you know
0: so you didn't know
1: I had no clue. You didn't
0: know. And just FYI, Matt is Catholic. So just kind of making a a joke there. Um, Okay. So a lot of people because of that and because of just probably following you since then or maybe even before that, they know your story, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. So just take us back. Tell us who you are and why you do what you do.
1: Well, um, at 42, I started the medicalization process. And I was kind of in a, in a vulnerable place in my life. I was married to a, a woman who was a Catholic and uh, very, very religious and uh, never, never wanted to be and who wants to be gay, by the way, but um, never really accepted it and always kind of soothed herself with the idea that, you know, she's not a lesbian. It's just me i'm was born in the wrong body and i was a a man and she had said that to me for years like joking like you know you lock the doors just like you know my ex-husband or something you know men do that and Mm. it was just it was a joke right your Um,
0: partner would say this to you
1: yeah okay and it was a joke you know all the way around it wasn't anything that was she she wasn't being horrible about it Uh, she's not a horrible person but it was a way to kind of soothe herself right um and I got to uh, a pretty vulnerable place in our relationship where, um, you know, she was going to have to tell her family about me, all that kind of stuff. And, and um, you know, we were watching, I think, what what is it, like, Caitlyn Jenner had a had a reality show, you know, Jazz oh. Jennings. Oh. And just, we were watching it, you know, on a couch, just kind of like this. And uh, I just looked at her and went, God, maybe I was born in the wrong body. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I don't know let's go see a therapist. And the next week we were in front of a trans woman therapist who, you know, said, how long have you been dressing like a man now? If you knew me uh, before I medically transitioned, you would think that was a joke. I mean, I used to do hair and makeup in my early twenties. It's how I Mm. got into business sales. Um, So, but I was at a vulnerable place. Right. And so that one And why were you
0: at a vulnerable place?
1: I was at a vulnerable place uh, because of the relationship that I was in. Mm and her family didn't know about me. Uh, We had gotten together before and then uh, broke up. I left her because I didn't think that she would be able to be in a, Mm. in a gay relationship. And I didn't want to kind of pull her apart. Mm. Uh, And so then she came back and said, I'm okay with it. I'm going to tell everybody. And it was like right at that vulnerable place. And, and uh, you know, her, her son was, was pregnant with his wife for the first time. And uh, I remember she was on the phone with him and got off the phone and was like, God, I wonder if I'm going to be able to, you know, see my grandkids. So it was just a very, very vulnerable place. Mm. Um, you know, with but
0: you had been out as a lesbian for a while.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And
0: for, but for her, this was kind of a secret thing and you were afraid you were going to lose this relationship.
1: True. Yeah. I was with a, I was with a woman uh, who's still my best friend that we had three children with. Um, and that, you know, didn't work out and we we were separated. And so this was my my second wife okay. uh, kind of thing. So it was a very vulnerable place. Um, and, you know, that trans woman that said that, I don't think people realize how vulnerable kids are. You know, at 42, I was a business sales executive. I wasn't, <laughs> I've never been kind of a, a meek person. Um, but I remember in that therapy room, again, I was on a couch like this. And I remember she said that and I was looked down and then I I looked up and I, you know, looked at my wife and then I looked at the therapist and I was like, "I, I guess all my life, I, I guess, mm. you know." And um, I remember for the for two weeks after that, it was a really, really hard place to be at. Like I was a a joke. Like for my entire life, I'd walk by somebody and then go, "Yeah, that's Kelly." I think that's a dude. She doesn't know it, mm. and so. Um, after that initial period after a couple of weeks i started to think wow what would my life have been like if i was born male hmm. and i thought to myself well you know i i started school early at 4 in kindergarten the teacher wow. started reading a book you know and all the parents were there you know because it was the first day and i you know walked up grabbed the book and said your inflections are wrong and i proceeded to read it so i've always been a very strong personality um you know our father my, my my sister's here was a professional athlete you know played baseball and then you know rode motorcycles just kind of like the Marlboro man uh kind of a thing and you know for me I was also an athlete so overly aggressive a good athlete um very strong dominant personality uh same sex attracted that type of stuff and so it made it so that I was on the outs a- as a child and so when when basically I had this revelation that I was born in the wrong body, I kind of interjected the different gender and I went, God, my life would have been gone from awkward to, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. the, the, the male that every man and woman would want, you know, the athlete and everything that was hard would have turned easy. Mm -hmm. And so it was at that point, I couldn't, I couldn't let go of that. And that's what's happening Mm -hmm. to these kids. Mm
0: -hmm. So when you sat in front of the therapist, which you said was a trans woman, and I always kind of have to translate that people ask me, wait, what does trans woman? What does trans man mean? That is a male who is presenting as it's a man. Yes. So yeah. said to you. How long have you been dressing like a man? Mm-hmm. You never thought about yourself dressing like a man, Mm-mm. and had and you- I wasn't. By yes. The way. Yeah. Right. And so did you ever have before that, I know you said you were same-sex attracted, but did you ever have gender confusion at any point that you can remember? Like, did it ever come to your mind before? Maybe I am supposed to just be a man.
1: Well, gender confusion is is kind of a, it's a it's something I, I wouldn't say because mm. most people that medically transition understand what gender is. It's a want, it's a desire, it's mm. cosmetic surgery. Um, so to kind of reframe that for you. So had I ever wanted, to be a boy as a child you bet you know i remember talking about kindergarten again I, you know right around that time when i turned 5 my uncle's like what do you want for uh for christmas i was like well uncle kenny i would like to be a boy mm. and he goes well you can't be that uh do you want a briefcase you always said you don't like carrying it a back do you want a briefcase yeah so i got a, you know that, that kind of thing. So yes, there was, there was a desire. There was always a kind of a realignment with me, like, don't be that aggressive and don't do this and don't yeah. do that. And, and, uh, so it was just natural for me to go, God, I just wish I was a boy, yeah. but reality is reality. Right.
0: So when a therapist said that to you, did you, did something kind of click or like, uh, what was that feeling initially? Did it feel like, wow, he just told me something that I've always wondered Is that true about me? Or were you a little offended by it?
1: Embarrassed. Mm. Embarrassed. I felt um, stupid.
0: Mm. Like everyone knew something that you didn't know about yourself.
1: And then after that initially wore off and I kind of replaced my life uh, as a male, um, it all made sense instead of, you know, and I wasn't in a place to, to basically compartmentalize and kind of step back in that and say, wait a second, um, maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe human beings, males and females, come all different ways. Mm. There's not one way for a woman to be a woman and there's not one way for a man to be a man. So maybe these, ger- you know, gender stereotypes, which are legitimate, I think, because most females kind of fit in this and most males fit in that, Um, But what about the 30% that don't? Maybe we need to broaden our our horizons on on what Hmm. men and women are and, and the differences and not try to stereotype people so much.
0: Okay, it is time again to tell you guys about my favorite skincare company, and that is Adele Natural Cosmetics. So I switched to them a couple years ago after really not paying attention very much at all to what I was putting on my skin. I think I was just using like drugstore facial cleanser and moisturizer. And then I decided, okay, I'm getting up there. I really need to start you know, caring about the moisture level of my skin, the texture of my skin. And so I switched to Adele Natural Cosmetics because they're totally toxin-free. They don't have any parabens. They don't have any toxic ingredients and they don't have any fake fragrances. And I've seen a huge difference in just the smoothness and the moisture and the texture of my skin since switching to them. I love that they're a pro-life Christian company. They love the Lord and it's just a joy to support them. And you guys love them too. If you haven't checked them out, yet. Go to adelnaturalcosmetics.com. Use code Allie at checkout. You'll get 25% off your first order. adelnaturalcosmetics.com. Code Allie. adelnaturalcosmetics.com. Code Allie. When I was growing up, I didn't want to wear dresses. I was very embarrassed by the idea of well, you're frills In bows. Yeah. Did you not know that? I I did know. Thanks for the revelation. Okay, you're welcome. Um, I only wanted to wear jeans and a t-shirt. I liked like bugs and snakes and things like that. You're
1: definitely a boy. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so but I'm just I'm thankful. I'm I'm thankful that that was never a question and that no one like my parents kind of just let me do that and and be that and of course my mom still wanted me to wear dresses i was the only girl i had two older brothers but i do really worry about the young people today Mm -hmm. who when they venture outside of the stereotype at all like you were just talking about well they're immediately their identity is questioned who they are is questioned and that's like a very scary and difficult place to be especially for a child yep Yeah.
1: So these children that are medically transitioned, people in general that are medically transitioning, whether or not people are offended by reality or not, reality is reality, right? So children who believe that they're born in the wrong body have what's called comorbidities. Some people don't like that because of the same sex. So we'll call them commonalities. And those commonalities are not just every once in a while. They're in everybody that medically transitions. And those commonalities are uh, same-sex attracted. So we have 42% of these boys would grow up to be, you know, homosexual males or same sex attracted, not giving them, you know, the right to decide what they want to do with that. You know, that's just, you know, we're going to transition you for that. Uh, same sex attracted, of course, autism. Um, we are usually mentally gifted, mentally ill, or we have some kind of trauma. So all of the things that the evangelicals talked about, with homosexuality that seemed to it, not true. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you don't want to be same-sex attracted. It's not going to go away with talk therapy. You can decide to do something. But all of those talk tracks uh, and all of that carnage and and pain that was created from that, uh, we have a society that thinks that transgenderism and homosexuality are the same thing. And what I like to say is flip that. And uh, what the evangelicals said about homosexuality is absolutely unequivocally 100% true about transgenderism and that's the truth
0: yeah you touched on trauma that's something you know i've talked to several detransitioners and Mm -hmm. that is i don't think i've talked to a single female detransitioner who was not sexually harassed or sexually assaulted absolutely and you've talked openly about that about your sexual assault when you were a teen Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. yep And so tell us, like, do you think that that affected your thoughts about sexuality and
1: gender and then your eventual transition? Well, sure. And that's a slippery slope, right, Allie? Uh, Because then we're then we're correlating, you know, same sex attraction to to trauma. Um, And then all of a sudden, we've got to divide and prosper, right? We've got a society that, you know, you have to feel this way or that way. And the truth is, is somewhere in the middle on that. So uh, to answer your question, About that, I think that that's a huge thing. I think that there's a lot of people that do have trauma, uh, that kind of you know try to heal themselves with with same sex attraction or being different, that kind of stuff. Not all, and those people that do that need to get therapy, and you know be who they are, which is straight. Now there are some people that are same sex attracted, and I believe that they're born that way. So so that's a, a that's a gray area, right? So as society, we need to stop doing that. We need to stop doing the, you know, divide and prosper the, you know, they just crossed the left, you know, that kind of stuff. That, that's a good business model, um, thinking that way, black and white, but that black and white thinking has made our society have a huge blind spot where we're butchering, and I mean this literally, butchering an entire generation of children, mind, body, and soul because of that blind spot with a process There's no study that says it's beneficial for these kids. There's seven studies that came out and said they were beneficial, all been retracted or modified with not enough time, not enough participants. But those are the pamphlets that are being handed to to these parents, that medical transition is a miracle cure. When there's only one long-term study that was ever done in Sweden from 1973 to 2003, and they found that (laughs) you're more suicidal after but seven to 10 years, that's a long time mm-hmm. because medical processes is, is, a, is a long journey, right? Mm-hmm. Well, try to find that online. Try to find any of anything online. And are, all you're going to find is, you know, unicorn farts and glitter bombs from mm-hmm. the LGBTQ. And there's a reason for that. Um, so to answer your question about trauma… Uh, and people yeah. that correlate and, that. Absolutely. Well, trauma
0: and tran- transition specifically, yep. maybe yep, I yep, yep, yep. made a mistake saying a sexuality because I, I really just mean, it seems like a lot of these girls that I've talked to, they will even say I was running away Absolutely. from my body and I didn't like being objectified and mm-hmm. I thought that if I didn't have breasts anymore, then maybe I would be less vulnerable. Absolutely. Did that play into your thinking at all?
1: No, but I understand how it, it happens uh, with, with girls. Yeah. Now, Do I think trauma might have had something to do with it? Probably. Am I aware of it? No. Mm. These girls, uh, it's maybe fresh on on their mind, so I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, but these children that you talk about, these detransitioners, it's a really, really, really um red button for me. Um, you know, when I was in what is a woman, I hadn't been on testosterone for 17 months.
0: Yeah.
1: Didn't take testosterone for over uh, two years. That is detrans. What you saw there. And so, we're we're taking these girls at eleven, who have let's say autism. So they don't fit in. Um, they're socially awkward. They don't know how to interchange with people. And then girls, we expect them to have this kind of like flirtatious, you know, thing. They don't know how to do that. They don't fit in at all. And then we have medical professionals and people telling them that they're born in the wrong body. They get to celebrate that, and then they get to be eighteen or nineteen years old and realize, oh my god, I've got. You know, I've got bone issues. I've got heart issues. I can't have kids. I'm actually straight, but now I look like a man. So I'm gonna have to be in a gay relationship for the rest of my life. Mm. And uh, now I'm going to kill myself. And then they get on Twitter and they have evangelicals and conservatives and, you know, feminists lifting them up. You know, if you detrans, you're going to feel better. And then they go on the circuit (laughs) and they get lifted and then they get dropped Mm. because they go to the grocery store and and get served for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So the humanity of of what's happening to these kids all the way around, it's not the right, it's not the left. It's human beings. It's society that's letting these girls down. We're letting the detransitioners down too.
0: Mm. And tell me about, let's go back to your story, and I know you shared about this on What is a Woman, but um, talk about your medical transition. So after that, you said for a couple weeks there after the therapist, you you know felt like oh my gosh has everyone known this thing about me that Mortified. I didn't know yeah. you said that you were embarrassed and so was it a pretty quick line from there that you said okay I am going to try to present as a man
1: <laughs> this is so funny um, because people don't don't believe me but it's absolutely the truth it was wow I wonder if I was born in the wrong body next week therapist next week hormones. Wow. Uh, next week, appointment for the plastic surgeon for the top surgery. Yeah. Four weeks later I had my my first surgery.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: Really? Where they cut my bladder. Um yeah. <laughs> it's just it's they it's nicked been your nightmare. bladder. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. So they were gonna do a hysterectomy and a in a top surgery and they nicked my bladder. On top of they Ugh. had me on a, a medication called Contrave, which is an opioid inhibitor, which means that um you could give me tons of pain medication. I won't feel it. It's like water. So I had my first three surgeries, basically like medieval times, waking up with mm-hmm. a Tylenol. Yeah, it was it. it post, post-traumatic post stress. Yeah. I always thought it was not real. It's real. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. So this happened all within a month. Like, what is your partner thinking? What are your different family members, your siblings? What are they thinking?
1: You know, I can't speak for my sister or or my family, but I think a lot of them saw me struggle so much with with being uh, a lesbian. I didn't want to be. And we have this kind of celebrating society right now within the LGBTQ, which is wrong. There's nothing to celebrate uh, with being homosexual. It's hard. It's hard to do and we need to accept people better with that. But what we don't need to do is promote it Um, or it's not a recruiting agency, right? So my family had seen me suffer with that. And they wanted to believe uh, just like I did. Um, And they also just wanted to support me. So I got some pushback from, you know, from my sister a little bit. But, you know, after she she knew I wasn't going to give in, she was like, all right, let's rock it, little bro. So,
0: Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then tell me, like, what your life has been like since then. You said that was how many years ago that you started the medical transition?
1: 42. Um, So eight years. Okay. So in eight years... Um, I've had seven surgeries. Hmm. I've had a pulmonary embolism, a uh, stress-induced heart attack. Um, I have had uh, a reoccurring infection uh, that, I mean, to the to the end, I, I had an IV sick tube or pick tube or whatever in my heart uh, because I had to work uh, finding out that, hey, you know what? Medical transition is experimental. Nobody in my state that I trust can do this than the person that hurt me. So I have to get insurance to to fix this so I would go to work for five days and then go in the hospital in the ER and then I would check out you know and then after I would check out um the doctor finally said to me you know we're just gonna have to put this in your arm because you're you're gonna check out tomorrow aren't you I said yeah I gotta go to work um so you know so much stuff I have a I have a handicapped arm for life I had a ligament protruding through it I've had sepsis I've lost my house my car my home to pay for Uh, my wife yeah, everything. I've lost absolutely everything, and here I am on this circuit. And what I don't think people realize is, you know, I wasn't paid for what is a woman. I, I'm not paid a dime. I'm doing this uh, because at the end of this, I realized uh, that I was dying, and I woke up on the bathroom floor in my own urine and blood, and I realized I was dying, and I and I celebrated that. You know, I, I was I was accepting that until I thought of my kids. Mm. And so nobody knew what was wrong with me. And I made a promise with God at that moment that if I could figure out what was wrong with me, if they could fix me, if I could be here for my children, I would do what I'm doing. And so it's the reason why people listen to me is because I'm sincere. I have no other agenda. I don't sign on with politicians to make $10,000 speeches here or there. I do this in a basement, in a moldy basement. Seriously, I've got $200 to my name you know, and I'm I'm traveling back and forth and, and, uh, you know, paying for taxis. I'm doing that for my kids. So all people see is a mom.
0: Okay, y'all, Brave Books. If you have not gotten your subscription from Brave Books yet now, is the time. They send you a picture book every month that explains the values that you and I have to our children in a way that they can understand. So whether it's the reality of the gender binary, whether it's the sanctity of life, even things like the Second Amendment, they break these issues down in a way that's entertaining, in a way that is child-friendly. I think it's perfect for kids ages like kindergarten through fourth grade. The illustrations are really Beautiful. And these ideas, these positive ideas, these biblical ideas can stick in their mind uh, in a way that is really creative and fun. And uh, a lot of you are asking me all the time, like, you know, how do we teach these lessons to our kids in a way that they understand? We're going to the library where we're seeing. Pl- pride displays, all kinds of children books that are just pushing this destructive, progressive propaganda. Well, this is a way to combat those destructive ideas. Give them books that are actually edifying. So if you go to bravebooks.com, you can use code Allie. You'll get a free book and then 20% off your subscription where you get that book every month. So you'll get a free book and 20% off your subscription if you go to bravebooks.com, code Allie. That's bravebooks.com, code Allie tell us a little bit more because so many people just they don't know they don't know what all of this entails so you said within weeks you had the hormones and you had the surgery when you was there any moment in there that you said like maybe after you started hormones that you said whoa 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 hang on a
1: second yeah what am i doing absolutely um the, the affirmation model is very, very dangerous. Yeah. I remember the first uh, surgery I had uh, where they cut my bladder. I remember just thinking, you know, I just.
0: That was the first. That was before top surgery?
1: Yeah. That was. Okay. Yeah. That was my, my first surgery. I remember looking at my wife just saying, I, I just wish she would just say it's okay. I love Mm. you just the way you are, and we'll get through this. Mm. Um, And I remember them calling me sir, like the whole idea of of sir (laughs) looks so female. And it was like, I remember they gave me the medication. I was thinking to myself, that's wrong. That's wrong. Mm. Um, So, yeah, there was a whole bunch of that, right? But you can't challenge that if society in general just kind of acquiesced to everything because nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings because the LGBTQ plus – Has turned into a recruiting perverted agency. I mean, and and let's talk about can we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Of the why, Um, you know, Ali, what I didn't realize is that activism is a business. I had no clue. Seriously, I had no clue. I had no clue that, you know, if you have 20,000 followers on on Twitter and if you keep screaming the way I do, you'll get kicked off and then you won't get monetized and make money. So I didn't modify my, my words or anything or I didn't do anything that you were supposed to do to get to be where I'm at. Um, I did what was right because it was the right thing to do. Um, but I've learned that activism is a business, right? So in 2015, what happened within the gay and lesbian community? We got all of those rights that every human being deserves, which I call righteous rights. Not doesn't matter how somebody feels about homosexuality. Totally okay with me on that. But every human being deserves to love another adult and be respected. You've been with a partner for 30 years. They're dying in the hospital. Nobody should be able to kick you out. You should be able to work where you want to work without being fired because of your sexuality. And you should live where you want to live without being you know work live love right and we won those rights in 2015 and we won those rights by helping society understand that we weren't a recruiting agency those were all the three things that we wanted and so in 2015 we won those worldwide right what happens to activists what happens to activism well, organizations like the LGBTQ or Stonewall uh, in 2015 in the UK filed bankruptcy in 2015 because there was nothing else to fight for. There was no more donations coming in. In 2016, they had a 32% year-over-year growth. Now, you're in this business. That's significant for any type of organization that does donations, that gets government funding. And the only thing that they did was sign on with mermaids now mermaids is an organization that is the sole focus of medicalizing children Mm
0: -hmm.
1: so the new activist business model of the lgbtq was to push children to medically transition and in the process all the decent gays and lesbians regardless of how you feel went home to raise their kids and so what kind of started to infiltrate into the lgbtq perverts (laughs) money mongers you know, medically transitioning children. So we have this huge organization. We have a huge blind spot in our society uh, where people think that the LGBTQ is a good organization. All, you know, artists and singers and actors, they all want to get on that. Everybody wants to be on that train. And they are the worst organization in the world right Mm -hmm. now. And everybody is afraid to say it. Mm -hmm. And people won't understand that until people like me double quoted on the rainbow, lesbian, trans man. I'm over 50, so maybe three times. Mm -hmm. I am the rainbow Um, until we stand up and start to say what is going on. The truth is not a lot of us know what's going on that are decent. The majority of gays and lesbians are decent, but I want these people to stand up. They need to know uh, Mm -hmm. what's going on.
0: So do you think that you felt, even though obviously you weren't a child, you were an adult, but you said you started this process and you definitely second-guessed. But did you kind of feel pressured by how ubiquitous this message was from LGBTQ activists that, yes, you can be born in the wrong body. Yes, if you present masculine at all, then you must really be the opposite sex or the opposite gender or whatever. Like, do you think that's part of why you just kept going? And only only
1: males lock doors at night. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of the ridiculousness of it, right? Right. Well, Allie, everybody wants to fit in. Mm-hmm. Everybody does. And when you really, 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 really don't, everybody thinks that they don't. But when you really, really, really don't, and somebody tells you that you can,
0: mm.
1: it's too powerful to take away from mm-hmm. a 42 year old business sales executive. Mm. These children have no chance, mm. none. And we're getting near the seven to 10-year mark. Well, guess what's happening? All these detransitioners that everybody's lifting and pointing, by the way, when they're lifted by conservatives, when they're lifted by evangelicals, when they're lifted by feminists, all not feminists, when they're lifted by those people and standing next to them as an evangelical and standing next to them as a detransitioner, the people that need to hear that message, all they hear is, I used to be gay, God cured me. So you're only speaking to the people who already agree with you. And what are you doing when you're lifting with the I'm right, you're wrong? Donations, donations, donations. So we have all this influx of all this donations. Yet me, my son just signed up for a a volleyball competitive class. I'm going to have to tell him no because I'm saving other people's kids because I refuse to give in because I'm a mother.
0: Um. You mentioned some of the complications that you had from the procedures. Obviously the first one hysterectomy they nicked your bladder which I'm sure was extremely painful. Then you have top uh, top surgery then you had a phallop, yeah. uh a phalloplasty. Well correct? I had
1: I had two bottom surgeries actually.
0: Okay, so can yeah. you tell us a little bit about that? Which one? Um any and all.
1: All the surgeries?
0: <laughs> um well not I think you said that you've had 15 surgeries over the past several years but the Seven. Um, Seven. seven. Okay, seven, seven surgery. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, Tell us about, like, uh, tell us about, okay, so after the hysterectomy, you healed eventually, mm-hmm. and then you had top surgery after that?
1: About six weeks later, yes. Six I had weeks. Wow, top that's surgery. not yep. much and,
0: recovery time.
1: Yeah, and a full hysterectomy. Now, I've had twins, and I had a partial hysterectomy, so I had a full hysterectomy. Okay. And top surgery.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but how'd you feel after the top surgery?
1: Well, double mastectomy? you know, I I had... I had always had a little bit of I wanted it to be real. Do you understand that? Do you, do you get that I wanted to be born in the wrong body? I wanted it because it all made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It fixed everything, so I didn't want to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had I had I had doubt. Um, but I was too busy, you know, convincing everybody I was born in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I had doctors doing the same things because right. at that point insurances weren't paying for it, and we could write a check for it, right? Um, so I got all this information. I, I mean, the gynecologist that, that did my hysterectomy on my first appointment, I walked in and he goes, have you ever been tested for intersex because you have a really strong jawline.
0: Hmm.
1: And I was like, no. What? And that, you know, instant affirmation.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, For me, there are some people we don't know. It's all experimental, by the way, medical transitions, all experimental and cross-sex hormones. For me. It took me a couple of weeks, 6 weeks, 8 weeks before things I started to look male. I mean there's people that are on testosterone for years that still look like butch lesbians. For me it was like, you know, my body just soaked it up so there's another affirmation. Mm. Right? Yeah. And then um, you know, after the first surgery, what am I going to do then? You know, right. I've lost
0: It's like there's no going back.
1: Where do I go from here? Yeah. So
0: and then you decided to have the surgery that a lot of people who identify, who call themselves trans men, don't end up having because of the complications of it. And mm-hmm. that is the phalloplasty. Yeah. Um, and you already mentioned, I think, some complications that you've had from that. Is that the arm injury yes. that you have? Okay, mm-hmm. can you tell us about that?
1: Well, the phalloplasty is, um, is experimental. Um, and so we have, and this is the honest to God truth. I know people don't want to know the truth, but here's the truth. Um, we've got all the surgeons that aren't really good. All you have to have is a surgeon plaque Hmm. and you can do, you know, you can do transgender top surgery, bottom surgery, every surgery. The phalloplasty is, um, one of the most difficult surgeries that you can have. Mm -hmm. The, the level of difficulty is up there. I know this now after research is up there with like brain surgery. So you want the uh, best surgeons in the world conducting these surgeries. That's not what you're getting. What you're getting are you know, people that did a pe- you know, appendix removals, making $250,000 a year. Like that can be millionaires. This is a very, very, very difficult surgery. It's, it is enormously um, taxing emotionally physically, spiritually, a 67% complication rate. And we're not talking about complications like, uh, you know, maybe an infection here or there. We're talking loss of genitals. We're talking about colostomy bags. We're talking about failure after failure after failure.
0: Okay, it's time to tell y'all again about my friends at Jace Medical. Uh, As I said yesterday and as i've been telling you guys a lot like you've got to take advantage of this you've got to try this this is such a unique service that jace medical offers it's the only service in the u.s that provides you the emergency stash of medications that you may need should there be some kind of some kind of catastrophe or some kind of reason why you don't have access to the medications that you need. So you can get the antibiotics that you may need in an emergency situation. You can also get a year supply of the daily prescriptions that you or your kids or your spouse takes. You get a year supply of these antibiotics, a year supply of these uh, prescription medications through their telemedicine process. And then you just have that peace of mind that at least in that very important way. You are prepared should there be some kind of uh, chaos or just some kind of shortage that happens. These prescriptions, because a lot of them are manufactured overseas, you can't always get them when you need them. This just ensures that you have the medications that you need no matter what. Go to jacemedical.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's jacemedical.com, code Allie. So, you've had a lot of complications since then.
1: Oh, do you want to talk about complications? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, if,
0: if you're comfortable.
1: I get a reoccurring infection. Um, I, I've started something that's kind of prolonging it. And I'm on infection or I'm on antibiotics probably um, a couple times a year, four or five, probably every three months. It's kind of expanding out with some things that I'm doing. Um, but someday this will kill me. I, I will get an infection. And my body will become numb to the antibiotics and I'll die from it. Hmm. Um, so on top of um, basically having to to, you know, raise kids and, and work and make a living and all that kind of stuff, I'm I'm sick a lot of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that's really hard. Do you know, I mean have the doctors ever told you this is going to cut X number of years off your life or you just, you just kind of know through deductive reasoning that one day there will be an infection
1: that will kill you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So I did a, I did a speech in Tennessee. I was working from home um, because I, I had PTSD. I hadn't left my house for three years uh, when I did that interview with what is a woman in New York of all places. Yeah. Yeah. I left your house for three years. Let's go to New York. Um, So, I forgot my, I forgot where I was there. That just.
0: That's okay. We were just, um, you you were talking about on what is a woman. You, I remember you saying a similar thing. You were saying, you know, I'm going to die from this infection. And I think you said maybe something along the lines of you may have cut like 15 years off your life or
1: something like that. Well, medical transition in general, cross-sex hormones cut people's life, not just mine. Uh, They cut 10 to 15 years off of everybody's. Uh, life who starts them and the earlier you get on them the more they cut off yeah uh from from that perspective so the complications of medical transition that's the first thing is is you know cutting your life short mine is um you know has to do with with the phallioplasty and the infections and you know the kind of the uh emotional and stress of of just knowing that it's always there
0: yeah
1: and you know failed and you know what are you going to do
0: You have, over the past few years, I've seen some of the testimonies that you've given, the speeches that you've given, your advocacy. I've seen you say that you don't identify as a Mm detransitioner. You do call yourself a trans man. For a reason. But also a lesbian. Mm -hmm. And you call yourself a mother. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about that because maybe to some people that might be confusing.
1: Oh, yeah, right. I I get that. So I'm a biological woman. I'm attracted to females. Woman. Woman lesbian, I medically transitioned and I call myself a transgender man to help people understand that medical transition is, it's a one way road. You change the core of who you are. I will never be not a trans man ever. And the whole, the whole D trans, uh, what we're doing is we're setting these girls and boys up to think that, you know, medical transition is, you know, you can just go back and you can't. See, I get those phone calls from the detransitioners when media, not you in general, when you guys are done with them, I get the calls with the guns in their mouth. Like, what am I going to do? I look like a 17-year-old boy for the rest of my life. Hmm. I'm served constantly. Mm-hmm. I've said that I might want to, you know, medically transition back just to live and life without having to go in the grocery store every, you know, 20 seconds. Like, hey, where are the cherries? Well, it's over there, sir. No, it's 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 ma'am. I medically trans. I mean, who wants to live like that? Yeah. Where's the grace? And dignity and love for these children without the activism model?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where is that love? Because, you know, as far as I see, conservatives on this side, liberals on this side, both of y'all are wrong. Nobody is in the middle saying, what about these children? Nobody wants to lose their job or talk about this in in their office. Nobody wants to take that investment unless it happens to their kid. So my question is, where's the love from society? Does everybody need to wake up in their own urine and blood and know that they're dying and what that would do to their kids for people to have some kind of heart for these children?
0: Mm. Why do you think that people, either on the left or the right, I'm not really... Defending either side. Obviously, I'm a conservative, but why do you feel that people don't really care about that suffering? Do you think that, like, I conservatives? Think that people, just-
1: I think that people care. I think society cares. Society doesn't know the truth. Um, who I don't think, or I think they're pretty smart to get where they're at. Uh, if, you know, if you're a, a podcaster or social media or some kind of journalist to not know, I think what happens is that people get the activism bump. People get the famous bug. People get the, I want to make sure I look good bug. Uh, everybody doesn't want to lose that, that revenue that comes in. All those politicians. Nobody wants to have those hard questions. You know, it's the reason why I do podcasts with like extremely religious evangelicals. And you know, that tell me their opinion on homosexuality. And I tell them their opinion, my opinion. And I just go, all right, let's adult better. We, we agree to disagree on that. I've told you mine. You've told you. Now let's act like adults. And let's talk about the medicalization of children. Because the truth, Allie, is that this is not going to go away. There's too much money into it. This is going to go away when conservatives, liberals, evangelicals, gays, lesbians, white, black, when people come together and we grab hands and we circle around and we look up to the media and we say, listen, we are all. Here. So you can't call us bigots. You can't call us bigots. Now let's talk about the facts. And the facts tell us that no child should medically transition. It's wrong on an epic scale. You have that 10 minute conversation on a neutral floor, nobody walks away going, yep, it's still for medically transitioning kids. I don't care who you are, what you believe in.
0: Yeah. And do you regret transitioning as an adult? (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely yeah if i could go back i would go back in a second
0: then you wouldn't do it
1: oh god no no i would but you have you believe
0: it should be legal for adults
1: to medically transition mm-hmm. the same way um you know it's legal for a woman to get breast surgery uh, breast augmentation for botox for a man to get hair plugs it's cosmetic surgery and so the same precautions that go because here, here's another gray area right um Not being black and white. (laughs) I offend people this way. There are some people that do medically transition and find a little comfort in it. Walk a little bit lighter in life. Not very many. And that's the truth. Not very many. But those who it does benefit need to have that available to them. They need to know what it does, what it doesn't do. And anybody that walks into a plastic surgery office and tells the surgeon that, hey, uh, I was born in the wrong body. And if you don't medically transition me or give me uh, hormones, uh, I'm going to kill myself. What they need to be doing is, Sarah, uh, call the paddy wagon. That person needs help. They're a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic basket. Hmm. Me too. I got help. What's so wrong with saying that? Why are we in a place where everybody just wants to portray that everybody's great I'm right and you're wrong and I'm, you know, super successful, got a lot of money and I'm, you know, sane as, sane as, who's sane? Mm -hmm. I haven't met one. Have you? (laughs) We're all a little nutty, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we need to be in a place in society where we have those hard conversations, where we need to say, that sounds fruitier than fruity tootie. No. No you are born. You were not born the wrong body. You're a man that likes to wear makeup, wears dresses. You do you go for it. And as a society, we need to go. That's a man that likes to wear his dresses and makeup. He's a little different, but we're going to give him all the dignity and respect that he deserves, but he's not going to go in my, (laughs) in my kid's locker room. He's not going to play in women's sports. And he's not going to just basically take over society because he likes that that you do you you know what you do you you do that and as a society we need to go you know what there there are people that are all different all different and all people deserve dignity and respect but when you mess with kids you cross the line
0: Let me tell you all about crowd health. So crowd health is not health insurance, but they allow you to cover your healthcare expenses. They give you the tools that you need to negotiate and crowd fund your medical bills. So you pay a $50 membership fee to get access to services like telemedicine bill negotiation. And then you join the crowd, which is a group of members like you who want to help cover each other, uh, each other's healthcare expenses, unexpected medical events. You don't have to worry about doctors networks. You don't have to worry about the headache of dealing with your insurance company. Any of you who have health insurance, you know how complicated it can be. It can make your health worse because it's so expensive and there are so many different stipulations and carve-outs and all of that that you're trying to navigate on your own. Well, Crowd Health is in your corner. You've got a crowd of people who are helping you navigate uh, these events and also helping you cover your bills. So if you want to opt out of the the complexities of the health insurance world and you still need that healthcare coverage, go to joincrowdhealth.com. You can use code Allie. It's just $50 a month. It's not health insurance. Go to joincrowdhealth.com, code Allie. Joincrowdhealth.com, code Allie. How do you feel? I've seen you talk about this before, but how people address you. Because one perspective is, of course, well, you know, someone might say, well, I'm just going to call Scott a man, he, him, because that's how Scott looks. And then there's the other view that I'm more aligned with, that if I just saw you and I didn't know, I would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But because I know, and because I think that pronouns are not just a social designation, but something that correlates to a biological reality.
1: That I, was a really brilliant sentence, by the way.
0: Well, thank you. I, I,
1: we pulled that all together. That I was good. I <laughs> appreciate
0: that. So I I wouldn't call you he, yeah. him, but I've I've heard you say that that's not really something that you care about.
1: I don't. There's so many other things in, in life to to deal with. Here's, here's the truth about pronouns in general. Um, that work's already done. You don't need to redo that. You know... <laughs> Generations and generations of of you know evolution of of you know hundreds of years have told us as soon as we see somebody or hear somebody's voice, we say male or female. Mm-hmm. It's already done. Mm-hmm. Asking somebody to go against what they see and hear is narcissistic. It's sociopathic. Every time you have a conversation with somebody, it's like reading, uh, you know, it's like writing a novel with your left hand when you're, when you're right-handed. You have to catch yourself all the time. He, she, 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 she. They, so, them, yeah. So for me, I'm totally okay with people uh, calling me female pronouns because I am, but I do know that they're making a point because nobody in a grocery store is going to come up and go, hello, ma'am, how are you? Right. Can I carry your bags? Right. Um, you know, so for me... You do what you need to do to make whatever point that you need to make. But I made the choice to medically transition. It's a choice, cosmetic surgery. So I'm not going to tell you what to call me. You call me what makes you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. what helps you, what sits in your soul. And that's called adulting better, right? Mm.
0: Why do you think there is so much conflict and uproar about pronouns? And I'm talking like men. Men. Actual men who make very little effort to even look female
1: will get completely outraged. You know that answer, though, don't you? I, you're not you're not being you're not dumb. I want to hear why. what you, you think. you want to hear from me. Okay, all right. Um, so here's another truth. Uh, if you if you investigate into this uh, f- pretty far, you'll find that most of of the people that are, are pronoun warriors are, are going to be trans women, and there is a sexual fetish called Gyna. I, I know you knew it. Can't throw me under the bus with that. Yes. Uh, so that is a sexual fetish. And that fetish um, basically is men who are turned on by the idea of being a woman, by being a sexual object, um, by being objectified. Uh, it's a fetish. So when you see a man with a six-inch beard, red lipstick, you know, offended by calling them uh, a man— what you're doing is, is you are, um, you're ruining his erection. Mm.
0: So that's why he's angry.
1: That's why he's angry. So if, if we go back here, we're medically transitioning children um, for money, and we're medically transitioning children so that uh, men don't lose their erections. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. That is the absolute truth.
0: Yeah, there is a large sexualization aspect of it that I think a lot of people don't realize, especially when it comes to these men. And you said it so perfectly that it's not just – being turned on by looking like women it's the sexual object piece it's yeah. the submissiveness piece that they wrongly associate with being female mm-hmm. that i mean pornography plays a large part in yeah. it but i mean gosh look at these organizations WPATH, mermaids there always seems to be like the strange commonality of the sexualization of children within this mm-hmm. which is part of why i think this is so important there's so many different aspects of this it seems the money the mm-hmm. complications of the medical transition and then there's the sexualization aspect especially when it comes to children and mm. there's so many tentacles of it it's hard to even know what to attack
1: it is um, and you can't have a conversation about it right so t- to give you an example um, on twitter i have a i have a speech that i gave it's got 22 million views on social media now 22 million views on social media what does a woman came out it has just under 200 million views when they when they it's streamed insane. it right yeah so me little old me has 22 million views views of that speech. That speech was a speech that I gave. Uh, it was an evangelical uh, representative that brought a bill the second year in a row. He got ran through the mud as, as being a hateful person. Actually, very nice person. If somebody asked him about his opinion on homosexuality, I think they would be surprised about it. But they attacked him so much. Um, and he, he ran the first bill the wrong way. And I told him that. And I said, when you run it the second way, you know, call me. When I touch these bills, they get passed. So he called me. He said, we're going to do a press conference. Can you come? And they started just attacking him, a room full of reporters. I pushed him aside and took over. It was nine minutes, the most powerful speech you will hear on Mm. the medicalization of children. Do you know how many mainstream medias have said anything about it? I can guess. One, and it was the newscaster that was in the room, and it was making fun of me on Twitter.
0: Mm. Wow. Do you think they know what they're doing? No, you don't. I you don't think they think they're virtuous.
1: I do. I think that's the problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's the problem.
0: Do you see people waking up?
1: I people are going to wake up. The carnage of the medicalization of children is going to spill so much carnage. Um, I used to get you know suicidal calls maybe once every month when I first started this. I'm getting them weekly. Really. I'm finding mental health you know, hospitals for these people uh, weekly. Uh, the, the suicide epidemic is coming. When that carnage spills over enough that mainstream media has to cover it, it's going to stop like that. And here's what's going to happen, Allie. People are going to hate the LGBTQ. The love <laughs> that we have right now is going to go away. You want to see hate crimes? It's coming. And that's why. And you know what? We deserve it for not stepping up. We deserve it. Um, that's why we need organizations, you know, there's, you know, log cabin organization, Republicans, we've got, you know, gays against groomers, all those kind of things. Those are people that need to rise up in our society. Um, I was the first one to doing it five years ago. Now we have organizations that are being lifted. These are the people that need to be heard from. If we put these people in front of conservative people and evangelicals, if we adult better, this will stop faster. Hmm. But if we don't, the carnage will eventually stop this to a point where we will look back on this like we look back on hitler yeah in dinner parties where we're all sitting there with our glasses of wine going god how did how did that happen how did people you know click oh i'm so glad you know hitler's gone or whatever or all that kind of stuff that would never happen in this society we are too evolved to let something like that happen we're not mm-hmm. this is going to be read about the same way in 50 years how did we butcher an entire generation of children. Mm. And we've done it because we haven't adulted better. We need to start.
0: And tell me about, you're on a speaking tour, a college campus tour. And college campuses, you know, you want to think are um, places of critical thinking and free speech. But as we've seen over the past several years, that's not always the case. In no, fact, no, no, no. you'll probably receive the most hostility on these college campuses. So tell me a little bit about that.
1: Well, um, Riley Gaines, who is, um, who is on the forefront of you know, stopping trans women in sports, um, started an organization and uh, they reached out to me and she's the first person that I've said yes to on a speaking tour. And I've done that because she's got a genuine heart And she's strong enough as a conservative, uh, Christian, very, very right person um, to sign me as a trans man, as a lesbian, as to adult better. She's the first human being, the first organization, the first place uh, that has basically come to me and I told him what I wanted. And I listened to her speeches. She's not hateful. She's not right or left. She has that little gray area in her speeches. The reason why people listen to her and she's adulting better. She's the first person in five years that I said, okay. Hmm. So um, we, we have uh, some other um, women in sports that are going to be speaking. So we're going to be going all over the country, speaking at colleges all over uh, the country, maybe I don't even know. It might be worldwide. I don't know. Um, but if you go to my website scottnugent book book a speech. It's gonna get it's gonna get built. You know, it's gonna get filled up really, really fast. Yeah. But it's a conversation we need to have. Yeah. Well,
0: thanks so much for what you do. And where can people? I mean, support you? Even learn more about your story? There's so many details that you've shared over the years. Yeah. How can they do that?
1: Well, I've got a, a website called scottnugent.com. Yeah. S-E-O-T-T, Nugent, N-E-W-G-E-N-T. On that website, I don't do a stereotypical. I've had so many people, you know, tell me that your website's awful. You need to do this. You need to do that. No, my website is filled with studies. It's filled with links. Somebody says this to you about, you know, the medicalization of children. Click on this link. This is a study you want to send it to. This is uh, the reason why people, it is not, it's not a friendly website for traffic, for donations, but it's got a lot of information, And it's opening up a lot of people's minds. So I would go there.
0: Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate you taking the time, the courage, and your obedience to the call to share these things that you didn't have to do, but you put yourself out there. You've put yourself out there to do it. It's a worthy cause. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very, very much.